The practice of medicine contains moments full of pain, despair, grief, and loss. However, the strength of the human spirit triumphs as stories of kindness, empathy, joy, and healing unfold. What follows are stories of human beings, sometimes doing great things, and sometimes small things with great empathy. Welcome to Med Stories, brought to you by the Teacher Learner Advocacy Committee at Indiana University School of Medicine. Welcome to Med Stories. I'm here with two physicians from Indiana University. I'll have you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves. I'm John Delaney. I'm a psychiatrist for IU Health and a, a faculty member in the Department of Psychiatry at IU Health. And I'm Lisa Delaney. I'm a pediatric radiologist. I um, work at Riley Hospital for children. And how do you guys know each other? <laughs> so, so we're married. Okay. Um, we uh, went to medical school together at the University of Missouri in Columbia and uh, actually the curriculum there was a problem-based learning curriculum so you're in small groups of eight people so we were in our first group together in medical school and uh, oh, wow. so it all flowered from there. It took him three years to ask uh. me out but <laughs> <laughs> once he did there was no stopping us. So I understand that in the last few years, you've gotten to be part of the medical community in a slightly different way, John. Of course, right? yes. Uh -huh. uh, so um, I've had type 1 diabetes since I was 11 years old and um, also um, developed hypertension at a pretty young age. I was 14 years old and was diagnosed with hypertension. And um, those two things are the number one and number two causes of kidney disease and okay. so uh, leading to kidney failure and uh, so yes my in 2015 my numbers really were getting to the point where it was critical and uh, at that point we didn't realize how fast it was going to go but um, things had gotten to the point where um, you know my kidneys had completely failed by oh June of 2015. Unfortunately we were supposed to go on a cruise like in three days when oh they called gosh. them and they were like you know, you can't go on a cruise. <laughs> you know, you can't do anything. So this was really sudden. Yeah, yeah, this was really unexpected. Yeah. And uh, so thankfully he had some connections and he called a nephrologist friend of his and got him in right away and before the cruise. And the nephrologist said, well, as long as you can't talk to me through the cruise, you can go on the cruise. Okay, good. So, so it so, wasn't yeah. totally ruined. <laughs> and no. it was actually Dr. Brian Decker um, who passed away not too long oh, ago. Wow. Uh, he was a resident, he was in, uh, intern year with me in internal medicine and so I called him and I was like hey you know can I see you pretty quickly and um, got in with him and he was very reassuring and very you know very extremely good care and like Lisa said he um, you know he had gave me a cell phone number and said call me tell me what your blood pressures are you know basically every day while we were on vacation wow. and really hung in there with me. Um, I think they had told him and he had told me several months before that eventually he's going to need a kidney transplant. But to me eventually was like five, ten years, you know, it wasn't three months. Wow. And so then when we got to this point, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. Like He needs it now. He needs it now. You have to be available for dialysis three times a week, four hours. Right. You know, so it was, you know, just rearranging our schedules so that we could make sure he could go to dialysis because he has to do that to stay alive and how did you share this news with the kids you know we were pretty upfront with them at all along I don't remember how we told them initially yeah I mean it, I think that they kind of knew uh -huh. um, 
Like they knew that I was getting sick, but then mm -hmm. that morning when we went to the hospital, um, we didn't tell them. I mean, our daughter Lauren stayed home with the other kids. We went to the hospital, and then once it was clear that I was going to be there, then Lisa had arranged for you know somebody to come there. But um, you know, but we we told them. We always felt like it was like really important to be very upfront with with the information and not leave big gaps. You know, we mm -hmm. tried to keep it correct to their or understandable to, uh, to their age and development, but we were very clear with them about what this was gonna require and mm -hmm. what this was gonna mean for our family. What can you do? You know you need an organ. Do you try to find one? Do you let the hospital take care of that? So they explained to you that basically if you, you need a kidney, a kidney can come from a living donor or a deceased donor. Okay. And the second thing with me is because it was type 1 diabetes that, that I had, that was one of the, one of the things that led to kidney disease. Um, when that's the case and you need a kidney transplant, they do a pancreas as well uh, because the thinking is, is that if you're already going to be immunosuppressed because of the kidney, that they might as well get rid of the diabetes. Wow. And so again, so uh, multiple organs. Right. Um, but if you look at it from the standpoint of, okay, this was a really bad thing that happened, some amazing things have, have ended up as the outcome, you know, because I ended up over time getting the pancreas as well, which took away the diabetes. Wow. Um, yeah. Which is so, totally huge. Yeah. So in the, in the um, kidney workup, you know, you can get a d um, kidney from a living donor or a deceased donor. So um, we, you know, certainly family knew about it. A lot of our friends knew about it. And um, they, the transplant um, group gives you a number that people can call. And they, you know, it's just between you and this person, and you give them your information and your interest. And um, if they do some initial blood work and it looks like you could be a match, then they do further testing on that person. And so, as it turns out, um, my cousin, well, we had we had a, a good friend of ours that was a match, and um, he went through the process of um, of getting completely worked up. And then at a final stage in the process, there was an issue that um, that they moved on to my cousin who. Um, who was also a match, and so she ended up being the living donor for the kidney. So that happened in May of 2016. How but does that first conversation happen with a person, you know? It was amazing. I mean, we didn't even have to have the conversation. People came to us saying, if you need my kidney, you can have it. Wow. I mean, yeah. didn't they say that like you were the one of the like few people that had so many people call and say, uh -huh. I want to give my kidney to John Delaney? Yeah, and that was, that was he pretty, was, had so pretty humbling, you know, when you hear that. Uh, that's how you know you've that, got some friends. Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. So my cousin had gotten, had, had completed a good portion of the workup, and then so they went to her, and she completed the rest of it and was a match, and so they moved forward with that. What's that process like? Is that months or weeks? It's months, or? yeah. Um, you know, for a donor, um, they, you know, after they find out that you're compatible, basically you, got, you have to be the same blood type, and then they do um, tissue typing, which is like what your body recognizes as you versus as foreign, you know, um, for, so your immune system won't attack it. Um, so they did the blood typing and the tissue typing, and she was a match. But then they, they basically do the most exhaustive medical workup, you know, that you can imagine. I mean, if you want a full medical workup, sign up to be a donor, <laughs> and you will find everything that's potentially uh, going on with you. So they, they did the workup. And yeah, that was, um, it was probably February or early March that, you know, that they, that they moved on to her. I think it was in February. And then the transplant happened in May. So it's a three-month process. 
I mean, she was pretty tenacious about she things. Was she was pushing like, really once she decided hard. She, she was doing it, yeah. she wanted it, you know, yeah. done. Wow. She's so a she, determined person. She's a police <laughs> officer, and and uh, she was just wanting to, you know, let's do this tomorrow, and kept pushing, kept pushing, and yeah. and it it we got here in May. So that's yeah. remarkable. Yeah. But yeah. tell them about okay. So you had to make the choice whether you wanted a living donor kidney mm-hmm. and a deceased donor pancreas mm-hmm. or to go with both. Right, so you know, one way that they can do the transplant is uh, if a deceased person, and this would have happened for me if a deceased person that was a match had come up first, I, I'm pretty sure, um, they'll, they will do the kidney and the pancreas in the same surgery okay. from the same donor, but that would be a deceased donor. Gotcha. Um, so that was an option, or the other option is that you can, if you have a living donor for the kidney, They'll do that first, and then you take um, three months at least for recovery, and then they do the pancreas from a deceased donor. I see. So, and that was your situation. That was that's what I did. Uh-huh. So you really had to have two different surgeries then. Correct. I yeah. See. So the kidney surgery was in May of 2016, and the uh, pancreas was in October of 2016. So we were a little nervous about that, but the weird thing was thinking about. You know, now we know we have to get a pancreas from a deceased donor, and there's somebody out there right now who has no idea that something horrible is mm. going to happen to them that's going to turn into, like, something wonderful for us. And that was really hard yeah. for us to, to come to grips with. And we tried to talk with our kids about that, just kind of recognizing that, you know, what's really good for us means somebody else has a loss. As you so. two are talking, it's just making me realize how interdependent we all are on one another. Right. Oh, definitely. That's right, yeah. You can live your life thinking you're, you know, doing your own thing and self-sufficient, but really. Yes. I know, and you know, the connections that you make when uh, something like this happens. You know, we've, we've met the family of, of the donor for my pancreas and just met a whole new group of people and, you know, a whole new story. Wow. Yeah. Has life changed? since these surgeries? I mean, obviously you're back and you're yeah. working again. Yeah. And, and better it, than he was before. Yeah, life has really. changed incredibly. I mean, really, I, I feel better now than I felt in, I, I really don't know how many years. I mean, it, it, it was obvious that even before 2015, my energy wasn't very good and just didn't have a whole lot of, you know, just, you know, I wake up in the morning kind of think, okay, what time's bedtime? Oh you know, boy. That, I mean, that was at least in the last year before that started. And yeah. now my energy's way higher and just, you know, sure. just overall uh, feel much better. And, you know, you had to remember too is that, you know, diabetes, which I was used to from 11 years old, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you, you have that, you have the pancreas transplant and the new pancreas makes insulin immediately. So, you know, you're done with that, you know, at that point. No more injections. Yeah, yeah. And I can still remember this vividly. I mean, even though it was like just waking up from the surgery, I remember being in the, in, I guess I was out of the recovery area, but in the ICU room, and I remember the surgeon coming in, I guess, to just check on me, and he, his first question was, well, how does it feel to not have diabetes anymore? Wow. And it's like, that's like, wow, this is really cool. So, Unbelievable. I always try to be slow and yeah. realize that everybody's got something going on in their life, you know, that we may not know about. And right. Yeah, I think it's um, also clear that, you know, um, in the medical system, you know, lots of times we, we get busy and we get used to complex things happening. You know, you might see this patient and they've got this problem. The next one has a different complex problem. And it can be easy to lose sight of, you know, the individual person and what mm-hmm. they're experiencing 
going through that. Yes. So I know for me, I've, I've really become a lot more aware and in tune with you know, getting people results as fast as I can if, if there's something that I'm checking or trying to trying to follow through with people making and calling a person and giving them information right. and you know I just know what a difference that makes. Right. We know what it was like to wait on pins and needles for a uh -huh. test result that to the doctor was no big deal but to us uh -huh. you know made a huge difference. Did you ever consider not wanting to be a patient in the same health system where you were a physician? No, so th this is a um, you know again just uh, I, you know, I say God works in mysterious ways. You know we we ended up at IU and for residency and um, you know pancreas transplants especially aren't done just everywhere. You know you have to true you know and and it's also known that um, with transplant um, the more that a place does you know the better they are at sure. it and. So we ended up here back in 2000, you know, that, that long ago. And as it turns out, um, IU is like the, f it alternates with the University of Wisconsin, first and second in the nation on pancreas transplants. Wow. So after, you know, that all became apparent that we were going down that road, it was like, how can you explain it? We're right here, right now, you know, at this time. And, and I mean, not wanting to be a patient at IU just because we work here. I mean, we know this place is uh -huh. the best. Yeah. You know, why would we, <laughs> just because we're, we work here wouldn't mean we would want to go to second best or whatever, right, yes. you know. Right. So. So you've gotten to experience the IU community in many yeah. different ways. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Before, even when I was a doctor, like I hear someone had a transplant, I'm like, oh, they'll never be the same as they were before. Like they'll never be healthy again. I mean, John is way better than he has been in so long. He's back to working full time. Nobody would know he had these major surgeries if we didn't tell him. I mean, like we moved into a new house a year ago, and I think on the anniversary of his pancreas transplant or whatever, I posted something on Facebook, and our new neighbors were like, wow, we never would have known. You know, he's yeah. he's not sick anymore. He's better than he could have ever expected to be so well thank you both for being willing to share your story absolutely well, we're happy to come and talk with us uh -huh. thank you for listening join us next time for more med stories have one of your own email us at medstory at iu.edu that's m-e-d-s-t-o-r-y at iu.edu this has been a production of indiana university school of medicine preparing healers, and transforming health.